This is Body Talk, where we explore your inner universe. Hi, everybody. David Lasondak back with a special Thanksgiving episode, mini-sode of Body Talk. Today, we're going to talk to my dear friend, Liz Stewart, about a new project that she's helming to help practitioners who are being affected by the war in Ukraine so that therapists themselves and caregivers themselves can stay healthy and stay centered, de-stress somewhat. What Liz has been doing is uh, doing making those kind of supervision groups in the structural integration community, in the Rolfing community, in the Hellerwork community, and so on. And she has been incredibly successful at it. And she's now applying those same skills to practitioners who are working in Eastern Europe, like Poland and the Czech Republic, who are dealing with the fallout from the Ukraine war. And she's going to talk to us a little bit about her effort today on special Thanksgiving edition of Body Talk. Hi, and welcome back to Body Talk. Today, my guest is my friend and friend of the show, Liz Stewart. You might remember we had her on a while back talking about her and a team of others helped a struggling mother in Ukraine via Zoom get her baby to latch and start breastfeeding again. If you haven't, go back and listen to that one. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But I think that kind of worked as a springboard uh, to take Liz to an even newer place. And she's here to tell you all about it. Liz, welcome to the show. Thanks, David. I'm happy to be here. I'm always happy to see you. Yeah. So was it that event that inspired you to this next adventure? Well, that was one of the factors. The um, The reaching out to help this mom and this baby really motivated me. And there was a nice team of people. And then I am also a Ukrainian descent. My grandfather actually escaped Ukraine. Um, in the early 1900s from the pogroms. But the real catalyst, to be honest, was I went to a gathering in Prague back in June of this year uh, with a structural integration school called the European Guild for Structural Integration. And they had a conference. And at this conference, uh, they had a number of uh, faculty there from their school and some guests and I had been invited as a guest and we spent a week together and I really got to be with some of these students who were from Central and Eastern Europe. Uh, I got to be with a number of students who were from Central and Eastern Europe and at a certain point I was invited to speak and so I got up there to speak and I was very uh, true to Liz form it was more personal than possibly um, uh, technical, but that's I wasn't there to teach anything technique-based. Mm -hmm. And I decided to share a little piece of myself and tell a couple of stories about my teachers and how I'd been heavily influenced by women in the work and uh, who were direct students of Ida Rolf. And after I spoke, um, it was very touching. I, I was taken at how many people came up to me and responded to what I had to say. And several of the students approached me and said, 
would you come and do something with us? And I said, well, you have a school here. You have a, a great school. And they said, yeah, but our problem is we have no money. And, ah, mm -hmm. and I went and I spoke to uh, the folks at the school and they agreed that it, the financial reality in Central and Eastern Europe is tricky, especially with something going on in Russia and in Ukraine. So I went home from this event and I was sharing with a friend of mine here in Boulder, who is a uh, philanthropist. He's a, he comes from a very wealthy family. He's an older man who has been feeding children all around the world for most of his adult life. Wow. And I told him what happened at this gathering and how I came home feeling a need to do something. And he said, well, why don't you start a... 501c3 nonprofit and do it. Why not? Mm -hmm. And I decided I would. Why not? What's the worst thing that can happen? Nothing, which is Nothing. exactly what would happen if you didn't do it. Exactly. Nothing would happen. So I went, uh, I put the word out and I didn't know how to start a business this way. I've been in practice, in private practice 31 years, but to start a nonprofit, so I just, I literally went onto Facebook and I said, I want to start this project. And people started to come in and say, I can help you here. I can help you here. And they did. They really stepped up and helped. Now, I also had to raise a lot of money to pay these people who offered to help. Right. Uh, because I also am of the belief that you not only pay for things, but you especially pay your friends. Oh, uh, yeah, even more so. I just find that to be a healthy boundary for me. So I got some help putting this together and then I went out and began raising money and I was completely taken at the abundance of people who stepped forward. And I was also surprised at people who uh, didn't respond. So I think with fundraising, <laughs> a little bit of everything. Yeah. I also learned a lot about how I reach out and what might be perceived as too much or not enough. And who really is my audience? And what I discovered was the audience is, uh, I would have to say, sadly, not my peers for the most part. Really? Yeah. They're, and by that you mean other structural integrators, other body workers? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think part of it is we're all struggling post-COVID. Yeah. Many of us more than others. I'm, I'm fortunate. I have a full practice, but a lot of people don't. Yeah, I worked and, through the whole pandemic. I mean, I was lucky because yeah. I was hospital adjacent and they cleared us. So I didn't have some of the issues that some people are still recovering from. They're still recovering. So, you know, it wasn't coming from that community. However, I was getting a lot of emotional support there. And I realized, oh, I'm going to have to find people that know what structural integration is. And have had an experience. Mm -hmm. and well, so before, that's how before I, we before we go there, yeah. what is it? Let, let, let's uh, clue the audience in here is to exactly what your intention is yes. uh, going over there and how that impacts Ukraine. So, thank you for bringing me back to the mission. Yeah, let's and talk the about passion, the passion, which is that I wanted to bring support to structural integration practitioners who have been impacted in their communities by the invasion that was going on in Ukraine. And you actually saw that firsthand. 
Well, I saw it a few different ways. When I was in Prague, I suddenly ended up in a march and I really got to feel the impact of what was going on in Prague. And then I started to hear from people that I know. And what I gathered was that folks didn't have the skills needed. They have the structural integration skills, but they're really feeling overwhelmed. There's no self-care that they're able to tune into or know what to do for themselves. They are having some high stress as a practitioner. They are not necessarily working with people who have been touched by war, but the, the ripple effect mm -hmm. of how that, the invasion is impacting them and their community. And very specifically, uh, the gas bills are three times higher, at least when I was overseas just last month, uh, than what they're used to. So even creating a warm room for their clients. Yeah, that, yeah, and there's more economic uncertainty. I can relate a little bit to that. As I mentioned earlier, I kept my practice open during 2020. I had the opportunity to do so after a two-month shutdown. And that was May. By the time Christmas came around that year, I was I was burnt. I mean, I was really burnt out. Everybody was coming in with an additional layer of stress and anxiety. And it was it was it was sort of like that that fluorescent ball was going in the background. We all know it's there. We don't need to talk about it. But after dealing all day with in the background uh for weeks and months, yeah, it wears you down. And there was nobody for me to go to. Right. Because everybody else was shut down. Yeah. It's, except it's, us. We don't really realize how exhausting it is for us as practitioners. And you know, one of the things that I wanted to bring over there was a consistent connection to a person that has some educational abilities. So, you know, myself in the sense that if I could go over there several times over a couple of years, then they would have one person since they've all graduated. Some of them have graduated a year ago, some 10 years ago. They really understand the work. I have to tell you that they had a they had a solid, strong, really good education. Their struggle now is, well, now what? Who? Where is everybody? We're alone here. And what I'm really passionate about in the States and internationally is offering support to practitioners. So I wanted a model where they could come and get the support or I would go there and they wouldn't be burdened by the financial impact to them because right. taking a workshop costs money, even if it's a twice a month Zoom session, which I offer to practitioners and groups, that's still money where they're, they're at basics. They are aiming to pay for gas, to pay their rent, to try to get clients to come in, to work with clients that are really overwhelmed and for them to have the support they need, just like you might have it in your hospital setting, I'm not so sure in your department, mm -hmm. but people get mentored and they yeah. have someone to go to for case consultation, uh, for their own burnout and, and really to keep them alive and, and feeling well and connected, not only to their work and their clients, but their home life and their family and their community. And so these are things that I would call soft skills 
to give them the, the, the emotional support and also have enough uh, background in structural integration, which I have to, you know, ed add education in where needed. Sure. But the idea came out of love and for caring and to actually answer a question of a number of people and, and give them something that they really want. We don't always get to give someone something that they want and need. So you named this 501c3 Postures for Peace. Yes. Mm -hmm. And what what is the what is the caps encapsulated mission statement of Postures for Peace? Well, it's so new I don't have one yet. <laughs> idea. <laughs> okay. Put you on the but, spot. But the idea behind it is that right now Postures for Peace is the big name of of the nonprofit. Mm -hmm. And where is help needed right now? Well, it's needed uh, for people who have been impacted by the war in Ukraine. And, and so I'm putting the attention there now. It could be that Postures for Peace is needed in a couple of years. Oh, it could be something bigger than that. Yeah. A different yeah. group of people that are struggling and suffering. So it's not a program, so to speak. It It's a it's a way to bring support into a community that is in need of, of um, guidance and connection and community and not feeling isolated. And, and that could be a BIPOC community. It could be um, an area I've been, I've been looking at a group in South Africa that are uh, some practitioners that would like some support. Um, so Postures for Peace is the big global name, but this particular project has to do with Eastern Europe. Okay. And if people want to get more information about this, uh, where do they go? Well, right now, the best way is to go to a brand new website. <laughs> and you'll have to check back um, because it's mm -hmm. in the process of being built, but it's called Postures for peace and for spelled out F-O-R. They also can just contact me uh, directly at my email, which is liz at lizstewartsi.com. And we'll have a link to that in the show notes also. Liz, I know this was like a real quick on the fly thing for both of us. It's been great to have you on, but is there anything else you want to talk, uh, need to say about this project before we wrap it up for today? Well, yeah, I, I do know that it's not an easy time to give, but I think it's really important that we step out of ourselves and give to something. So whether this project inspires you or some other project where you can donate something would inspire you. I, I would definitely take that step, even if it's $5, to go help another person. It feels good. Yeah, it does. And you make a good point. $5, if I give $5, that doesn't, that doesn't seem like much. I mean, that's almost a flat white at Starbucks. But if 100 people give $5 or 1,000 people listening right now give $5, suddenly that's something you can do something with. And we're here in the States uh, coming out of our Thanksgiving season, which is our time to feast and celebrate family and the good things in our life and the things that we're grateful for. But we're coming into my other favorite uh, holiday, Christmas, which is all about giving. So 
I was going to say something clever there. <laughs> well, I just I want to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. And if if it's not a um, uh, something, a lot of people don't even celebrate Thanksgiving, but the slowing down of the seasons and nature mm -hmm. and going inside and really thinking about something that uh, is valuable for you. That's how I'd like to enter into this season. And I'm really glad you got to have me back on. I appreciate it. Liz, you're welcome back anytime. Thanks so much. Thank you, David. Okay, that's the show for Thanksgiving 2022. I hope you celebrated in a way that suits your mood and with your family, with your friends. I hope you got together because even in the most difficult of years, and this was um, you know, it's good to get together with family and friends and the people we love and give thanks in whatever way makes us feel happy and whole. So my thanks to you is always in this attention economy where everybody wants your attentions, everybody wants your clicks, everybody wants your eyeballs and your earbuds, that you make a little bit of time to pay attention to body talk. You do that, I'll make sure it's worth paying attention to. See you next time on Body Talk. Take care, everybody.